John, the Viking Mauser here with the Get Stronger Die podcast. Today, my guest is Quint Zambone. How are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. Cool. Glad to be here. Um, I said your last name right, uh, correct? Uh, Zambon. Zambon, okay. I knew I'd messed that up. That's why I asked. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. <laughs> cool. Very Cold, good. but good. Um, so this is the first time uh, we've had you on the podcast. Um, before we get into the um, meat and potatoes here, um, why don't you tell us how you got into uh, strength training and lifting barbells and strongman and all that sort of um, stuff. Just give us a background here so um, our listeners kind of know uh, who we're talking to. Sure. Um, well, I was always involved in sports growing up, like all sports across the board. And um, really wasn't, even through high school, I, when I played soccer and baseball, I did not, wasn't really huge into lifting, did what I had to do. Um, went to school in Indiana on a soccer scholarship, and when I got there, they pretty much told me I was too small and needed to gain weight. So that's when I kind of first started lifting more seriously um, and got into it. I, I mean, I, I guess I was pretty into it, like I enjoyed it. Um, but it really wasn't until after I finished school that I really just fell in love with getting strong. Like I was kind of addicted to it. So I, I spent a lot of time in there. I educated myself a lot more, um, went back to school, you know, studied it, did all that fun stuff. Um, and was, was really never sure it was what I was going to do you know, for a living. Um, always wanted to do it on the side. And that's kind of how I started. It was just kind of a side gig in addition to my regular job when, you know, out of college or a few years after, um, and then I don't remember when 2000, I'd have to look, I don't know, right. when the economy was really, was really, really bad, 2005, six, maybe, um, the company I was working for and the gym I worked for, um, kind of both went under within a couple of weeks of each other. And, um, I was lucky cause I got, I got a job offer from a training facility out in where I live now, which is my hometown. Um, and it was an athlete's facility gym. So I went there as their new strength coach. Um, and it started where, I mean, it was more kind of out of necessity because that was really line of income. But I really enjoyed working with the athletes, and that's kind of what I had been studying. Um, and as far as the strongman stuff goes, I always kind of implemented a lot of the strongman implements if you want to call them um into the athlete training because i thought it it transferred i always thought it transferred over better than a lot of the other stuff um and just kind of got good at it it was actually my clients that talked me into trying to show up um and i went i did i didn't show i think the first one was in kentucky and i fell in love with it and from then on i uh i was hooked um and i got really serious into it was serious, which isn't very serious, but um, pretty much immediately. And I think it was the year after, so I kind of competed for a year. And the following year was the first year they were doing that 175 pound class. 
um, at the Arnold. And that was like, I always, I never, I never cut weight when I competed before. It was never about anything like that. I just would show up and compete. But when that came out, um, which would have been a much more natural class for me, I, when I saw that, that's when I kind of committed to it. And I, I just wanted to see if I could do it. Like if I could get there and qualify. Um, and I did, and I've done pretty well ever since. So I don't, I don't have as much of a romantic story to go along with it, but really just, it just happened because I was kind of forced in to gain weight and fell in love with it. Very cool. So I actually do think that's pretty cool that your clients kind of talked you into doing it. Um, that's a pretty cool story. Uh, so how long have you been in um, Strongman now then? Uh, 10 years. Very cool. And uh, Maybe 11. Oh, my God, I'm old. Yeah, I'll be 40 in a couple of weeks, so I think this is year 11, actually. <laughs> Very cool. Um, <clears throat> and you said that first competition was in uh, Kentucky, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so you've been all over the place because I know you've, you've come out to West Virginia and then you, you do the nationals. And of course that jumps all over the place. Um, so you, yep. you've, you've got to see a bunch of cool places just because of uh strong man and being in it this long. Uh, yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, I've been in Norway, England, um, all over the U S I mean, I haven't, I haven't really gone out West except for when Reno, when uh, nationals was in Reno and then there was a nationals in Vegas as well. Um, but everywhere else I, I pretty much, I travel to, I always kind of pick my shows on the events that look cooler that I've never done. So it's not so much the location. Um, and that's what brought me to West Virginia. I always thought doing a team competition would be just a great idea. And we used to do them at the gym I was at, like again, with the high schools, the high schools would each bring a team and we would do a team strongman and when Paul announced his first one, like I was probably the first person to sign up. I was so excited. I don't even know if I had a team because I always thought that'd be a great idea. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. And you've been there every, every year, every year, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's very cool. So, uh, you said you did a lot of athletics, um, you know, up, up to this point, what all sports, um, had you been involved with, uh, that, that you actually played? Well, I played, I mean, I, I played soccer through college. I played soccer and baseball in high school. Um, up until then, and even through high school, I was still pretty active playing tennis. I just couldn't play for the school because it was the same season as as baseball was. Um, but we, like growing up, I mean, we did we did everything. Uh, I, I, did, I never played football. I never played organized football, but I think that it had more to do with. Um, with that, I was playing soccer, but even even when I was in college in the off season, I used to play and train with the badminton team that was there just because it was fun. We were kind of close to tennis, um, and you know we played. I, I played basketball when I was younger, um, and then I stopped growing, and it wasn't fun anymore. Um, but really, I mean, anything. Played golf. We did. We did it all. I, I have a big family, so there's there's eight total kids, which. I grew up with with two, two of them being step, and we were all very active sports in general. So that's what I did. was everybody in the neighborhood take a game, we'd go play it. Very cool. So you've done a lot then. Um, one of the things I wanted to uh, to talk about then was um, just just in general, how important do you think it is to be? Um, and I know that this term is kind of um, 
subjective, I suppose. But how important do you think it is to be um, athletic in um, strongman? I think it's an advantage. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily think you have to have an athletic background. And I know. I know several very very good strongmen that don't really have an athletic background other than lifting weights. Um, and I mean, I, I think there's. I think there's a lot of advantages to it. The just with. People, people with more of an athletic background, I think you can kind of see, they, they tend to move more smoothly, more efficiently. Um, but I don't think that that can't be taught necessarily through the movements of, or when you're doing, you know, strongman events or strongman movements. I do, I do think it's, I think it's an advantage. I've even been told myself, like, going into shows by people that, um, They've always they they said like at certain shows and this is what I was competing against. I won't use names, but he always says like you always kind of have a leg up in a show like this because you're more athletic than the people that are here. So I never really I never went into it like thinking that that was like an advantage I had. But like as looking back on it, I think it does. I think it offers it offers some benefits versus not having any kind of athletic background. And I mean, there's a lot, I think playing sports and team sports kind of teaches you, um, about, you know, mental toughness and adversity and how to handle a law. Um, all that kind of stuff, like keeping keeping your head in the game or in the event the entire time. Like you learn a lot about that doing sports growing up the team sports. Yeah, I would agree. One of the uh, one of the reasons I bring this up is um, I hear a lot of people. Uh, I don't hear it so much as read it. You know, uh, you see it in the forums and groups and stuff. And sometimes you'll hear it at shows, and people uh, people will uh, have opinions on being athletic in the sport. And some people uh, hate what they consider the athletic events and, and things like that because people with athleticism might have an advantage or whatever. Um, I think what I, I, and I have my own opinion, but um, I think what I really wanted to, to get to was what level of athleticism do you think is um, necessary to where you're not at a disadvantage, right? Um, do, do you think that you need to be a, a collegiate level athlete, that type of athletics, or do you think even um, high school, like how much athleticism do you think is necessary to be competitive in the sport? I mean, without really putting thought into it, I don't think I don't think collegiate level is necessary. I but I think high school level at least I think would would give you an advantage because by then you, you you're for the most part fully grown, um, so it's not like you're still going into your body or you're you're still kind of the, the taller people are real lanky and awkward for a while. Um, but by and through high school, you're kind of for, the, for most people are done growing. Uh, and that's when you get the better coaching too, especially nowadays, like not necessarily when I was in high school, but with all the, all the, you know, athletic training facilities that are out there and the training is just better now. And parents are crazier, which isn't always a good thing, but they'll, they'll put their kids, 
you know, it, it, they'll pay for that kind of stuff. And, you know, and, but the coaching is better too. I think, you know, there, there's more education, there's more of them out there. Um, and I, so I think if you're, if you've played at the high school level, I'd say you got a leg up on people that haven't. Yeah. Um, now, would you say that, um, that that is strictly the athleticism gained from um, playing a sport in high school? Or do you think that that's a combination of, hey, I, I'm more athletic because I've been doing athletic stuff, but also the other things you talked about, like knowing how to stay in the game and, and having that, uh, the mentality of sports and you know how, how to work with a coach and how to deal with a team and how to do all that stuff? Because that's not necessarily athleticism, right? Like. Absolutely. Um, and I, I would, I mean, I think the athleticism is advantageous and important, but I, for me anyways, and for a lot of, you know, people that I've trained or that I've competed with or that I've trained to compete, it's the mental game that's the hardest thing for them. Um, and I know some top level guys that their biggest problem is, is, you know, folding mentally if, if things don't go their way. Uh, that's always one, one thing I've always thought I was, I was very good at. I, I never, I never so much put, um, I, I never put anything into a, uh, one bad event or, you know, a, a slow start, anything like that. Like a bad judgment call. Like I, I can let it go and, you know, deal with it after the show's over. And I think that's super important. And I, I don't get caught up in the scores. I don't, I, I just, when I compete, it's, I kind of go with the, I'm going to do the best that I can do at each event. And then whatever happens at the end happens. I don't, I don't try to play the points game. I don't get into all that. I mean, there's always going to be a little bit. I try not to look at the score sheet at all. Um, but I think, I think the sport is a lot more, uh, between the ears than, than people want to admit to it. Um, especially with, with like when you're early on, everybody's so worried about, are they strong enough to try the sport, uh, you know, to do their first contest and it scares them away. And I think that's more that it's not, it's, it's not that they're not strong enough. It's that they're not strong enough in their head to give it a try. Like they, they've kind of talked themselves out of it already. Um, that I think being mentally strong is, is as important as being physically strong in the sport. Yeah, I would agree with that a hundred percent. Now, I think, like you said, uh, for you said for beginners, it was a, a little tougher, and, and I agree with that. But I think um, even when you're a, a veteran, I think um, so. It's kind of like uh, like a complex movement, like a like a squat or something, right? Like it's it's not that that uh, an advanced person isn't necessarily thinking, Hey, I need to keep like my back flat or I need to sit back or I need to push my knees out or, or, or whatever. It's just that that thought has dropped to the, to the, to the back, right? There's other things to the front of the mind and you're, you're able to push more and more things to the back and it becomes second nature. I think all those thoughts are still there to some extent. And I think it's still largely mental for even a veteran. It's just habit at this point. And um, yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Um, and the, for the beginner, it's still at the forefront. It's still at the front of their mind, and they have like ten different mental things that they're trying to focus on all at once. Um, just like when you first learn how to lift a log or a stone, you know, it's like you, you, there's just so much to think about, and then you're, slowly you can push some of those things to the back of your mind, and they become habit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, 
You're listening to Get Strong or Die. We'll be back right after this. This episode is brought to you by Mauser Strength Dynamics one-on-one online coaching. So if you are looking for a satisfaction guarantee and you want to win competitions or maybe you're constantly suffering from injuries and you don't know where to turn, or maybe you're just looking for some one-on-one support from a world-class strength coach, then Mauser Strength Dynamics is the coaching for you. So if you want more information, then find John at John the Viking Mauser on Facebook or at Mauser Strength on Instagram. Um, so back back to athleticism, though. So um, let's say you get you get somebody in the sport and um, and they kind of get it uh, mentally, right? I mean, obviously, it's very rare to get somebody that, that gets it a hundred percent. But let's say pretty ideal client mentally that they know how to to do all that stuff. And we're talking just pure athleticism. They've never played a sport before, um, maybe even never lifted weights before, right? Um, how long do you think, on average, would it take to um, take this person and cultivate them and get them up to par athletically um, to that level, that high school level? Just take that person and get them enough athleticism built in uh, so that they can be competitive and not be at a disadvantage with uh, maybe some of the other people that had played sports earlier in life. That's a good question. Um, and you know, my, my initial answer is, can you, can you duplicate that uh, outside of actually legitimately, you know, competing in a sport, whether it be individual or team, um, you know, on an individual, you know, could you duplicate it with, Maybe because strongman is kind of an individual sport, although I'll argue that it's more of a team sport than most people want to admit to it. Um, but to to duplicate it, you know, versus like the advantages that I was talking about on the team sport, I'm not sure you can, you know, fully. I think you can try to implement those things when they're training and try to you know, explain to someone who's never played a sport that, you know, that they're, that the training group that they're in, that that's there, you know, that, that is, that's the team. That is, that is your team. That it is, you know, partially your job to try to get them better as they're going to try to get you better. And uh, the, the better everybody is individually, the, the better everyone's going to be. And it's going to be, you know, the, the team's going to grow in that sense. Um, the, They'll never, they won't be able to experience, you know, the actual going out and getting on the field or getting on the pitch and, and winning or losing together uh, and what that feels like. So I'm not sure you would be able to duplicate that unless Paul started doing shows all across the country every weekend. Then maybe we could get that done. I'll, I'll but, talk uh, to him. I'll see what I'm honestly, I'm not sure you could duplicate it. I mean, I think it's important to try to get those concepts across. Um, and it'd be great if, if if it was that easy, but I don't think I'm not sure they would ever fully understand it. I don't know. Uh, so, what about strictly athletically, like getting them in the gym and doing athletic training? Um, how long do you think it would take to get somebody's j- purely just athleticism up uh, to speed? I think that'd be pretty individually based. Uh, like I've I've had people that. You know, clients that come in that don't have much of an athletic background, but you know, are active or are just naturally super coordinated, and learning even complex movements comes pretty easy for them. Uh, but there's, I've had clients too that I mean, it takes 
a long time to even really get the basics down before you can even, you know, start start doing more of the complex, you know, strongman stuff where you know they're not going to get hurt because they're just so they're so unstable or they're they just they're so uncoordinated. I guess is probably the better word. Um, so how long would it take? And worst case scenario, I mean, it's going to take a while. I, I don't. If if I said a minimum of a year for somebody that's not very coordinated, I don't even think that that's. I'm not even being conservative there. It may take more than that. But somebody that's very natural, I don't think it would take long at all. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think well, number one, yeah, it is very individual, and there's a lot of factors, right? I mean, I know that's a tough question, but um, I would say a year for a lot of people, and um, you know that that's. That seems tough because it, you know we're we're crossing sports, right? We're talking about strongman and we're talking about high school athletics. If I said it's going to take you a year to get really good at high school athletics, that's a long time because you only have four years. But in strongman, if I said, "Hey, it, it takes you a year to get um, athletic enough to compete at the top end," that's really not that long in strongman. Like, no, th- that's that's not 10, at all. That's only ten percent of your your strongman career. Right. So um, that's really not that long. I think that's also uh, something that's very difficult for a lot of people, especially when they start. If you say, listen, it's going to take a year for you to get athletic enough and probably strong enough to start winning shows. A lot of people think, whoa, a year. But I mean, and I've been competing. This is my um, I'm into my 14th year. The the Forest Festival will be my 14th um, year uh, in in September. uh, to me, a year is like oh, just a year, you know. <laughs> but uh, I think for a beginner, that's very overwhelming. Uh, yeah, it can be. and and in that, I when I talk to you know clients or teammates, I guess you could say now that have you know told me that they they want to fully commit, and they might not be very good, but they they love the sport and they want to do it. Um, I'll tell them that if but until they. Like to expect it's going to take them two years to get to that top level where, you know, they can compete with, they, they want to start qualifying for the big shows. Like even if they've been competing for a little, now they're committing. I, I tell them two years, like, it's, like don't get frustrated, um, you know, too early, too early on that you that there's these, there's this group that's at the top that seems unreachable. And in six months they are going to be unreachable. Uh, but in, if you commit after two years of committing, you're gonna you're gonna see how good you can be, how much you love it. I mean, you have to want it. Like, that's like I tell everybody that like people that think it's cool that I've I've competed at all these shows and at the top level, um, and it's a huge commitment. And, and I don't think people understand that. Like you do have to kind of give up a lot. But if they want it, I'll still say like. Give it two years, and you can be there. Like, you can be at that level. Now, if it was an absolute beginner that's never touched a weight, it might take him a little bit longer than that. But I'm talking like people that want to commit to it and are ready to go. Yeah, for sure. And and you're talking the top the top end. I mean, even a person that um, had never uh, maybe done any kind of strength training or so, in, in two years, they would be able to maybe hang at a local show or, or something along right. those lines, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I agree 100. And I would say for most people, that's what most people are after. Like, yeah, we, oh yeah. you know, I would say maybe one in ten or one in eight uh, 
actually want to go and compete at nationals or the Arnold or or beyond. Um, I, you know, most people are content to win. You know, Chicago's Strongest Man or whatever the case is. Um, I think sure. I think that's what most people are after. I think qualifying for nationals is a big goal for a lot of people. Not even right. necessarily going to do it. Like they just want to show that they can go and like that they were good enough to qualify. Like I, I talked to a lot of people. That's just their goal. Like that's that's the that's the goal. And and you know it's obviously going to change. The sport's addicting, and I warn them of that too. I'm like, once you do a show, then it's like you love it. Like there's not many people I know that have gone and done a show and just hated the sport afterwards because of the community and all that. Um, but I, I agree. Like I don't, I don't run into too many people that that say I want to do you know exactly what you were doing or I want to compete at that level. But I do. I mean, I, I have had clients that have wanted to do it, and I've had clients that have done it. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't know if I know anyone. I'm going to say that I do, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. I don't know anybody that's done just one. Like, if, yeah, right, if, exactly. Yeah, if they did one. They did several, and if they got out, it wasn't because they didn't like it. There was some other reason, like they moved or got a new job. Sure. Like something happened where why they got out. And I don't know. I don't know anyone that did one and was like, you know what, that sucked. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, even the people that bombed their first show, they, it's like it's almost just motivating for them because they had so much fun. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I think that's like when you talk to a beginner. Like the things that you always hear are, well, I don't want to zero anything. And, you know, I, I just want to get at least one rep. And, and then a lot of times that doesn't happen, right? I mean, depending on what class oh, yeah. you're in and how heavy the show is and a lot of other factors, right? People will go and they'll still zero an event. But normally, even though they zero one event, there's usually still five. There's still five events total, right? So, uh, and sometimes more, sometimes less, but usually it's not just one event. So they zero one they'll end up doing better than they ever imagined on at least one or two of the other events. And, and they kind of knew going in, they were going to zero the other one. Right. So when they do better on the other two, it's like it puts them up higher and, and they're very pleased with their performance, even though they zeroed this, but they kind of knew it was a possibility. But when they do better on those other two events and they ever thought was a possibility, then they're like, Oh, well, this is awesome. You know, oh yeah, and, and that's yeah. what keeps them keeps drawing them in. I think absolutely. Um, I think there's something too. Like I, I try to talk all all my athletes that you know that or all my clients that are athletes that also you know do a sport. I try to get all of them to do one strongman show. Like whether they are really interested or not, I, I try to you know get them to just go and try it. <laughs> And do it one time because I think you learn a lot about yourself athletically and um, you know mentally, like just in general. Because it's it's they're going to push themselves harder. Yeah, I mean harder, but also in a different way than they ever have before. And it's you'll learn you'll learn a lot about who you are doing a show, whether it's the highest level or just a local show, like you said. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I, I think that's that's what um, I think. Progress is what draws people in uh, in in the beginning, right? More so than more yeah. so than winning, right? Like I think as you go along and you maybe go through the sport, placing higher and higher and um, and winning things like qualifying for nationals or you know beating your rival or whatever the case is. I think um, 
the longer you're in the sport, those things kind of move to the front. But I think in the beginning, especially um, when you're still actually in the actual novice division, um, I think progress is the big driver. And actually, I think that that's one thing that people kind of lose sight of as they get further and further into the sport is it does kind of become more about winning than progress. So I think you can actually, the veteran can learn a lot from the novice uh, in some in some cases. Yeah. One hundred percent. I always, uh, I say it all the time. Like when I have somebody that's newer to the sport, but that's committing. Like how excited they just are about everything, like learning it, and they just love being there at the gym. And every time they do something they haven't done before, is you know the greatest thing that's ever happened to them. Like that improves my training a thousand. Because, like you start, you're trying to get excited about the things that you forgot about. Like the reasons why you got into it, um, and you're seeing it again through them, and it's awesome. Like it's, that's my favorite part of the job. Um, yeah, for sure. And um, I, I think that kind of ties in with uh, what you were talking about earlier. With um, you said, uh, strongman's a team sport, whether people know it or not, or want to believe it or not. Um, so, you said something along those lines. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I think that's super important. And um, you know, like powerlifting had that, and it's kind of dying in powerlifting. Like you don't see a lot of these powerlifting teams like you used to, but um, I think that that was important, right? Like Westside Barbell, for example, love them or hate them, like their system or not. <clears throat> um, one of the reasons, and I'm not saying it's the only reason, because I actually do think their system works. But one of the reasons that their system worked and they were ahead of everybody else was because their team was better. They had a better team. And uh, they had a certain mentality and a certain way the team trained, and they had people that actually cared how well their teammates did. And I think that's huge. And I, I harp with people all the time. I get, um, whether it's clients or somebody just randomly messages me, people are always looking for easy ways to get stronger and get better. And, like, there were very few easy ways, right? Like, especially the longer, <laughs> especially the longer you've been in the game, like, you know, in the beginning, sure, hey, squat three days a week, you'll get stronger. But um, if if you've been in the game for 10 years, like you or me, or, or, or even five years, there's no easy ways to get stronger anymore. Um, but there is. If you don't have spotters and you don't have a team and you don't have a training partner, it's real easy to get one, and it's real easy for that to bump you up. And, oh, yeah. and, and people, I, uh... people don't see it, though. No, and I think I, I can't remember if this is if it was t- talking about Westside, if it was Dave Tate or if it was somebody else um, made a comment in that documentary where he he's looking back at you know those earlier days and he makes he says something along the lines of like I don't know what we did that was actually positive while we were in there, but you know we set PRs. Left and right, like they were, they were lifting numbers that they never hit before, um, and I've, I've I've always thought like the program that you're following, there's there's a hundred of them that work, a thousand of them, whatever. Like that's it's not nearly as important as the environment that you're in. Like if you you create the right environment for you know, your team or your teammates or your training crew or whatever, the program's going to take care of itself. Like if that environment is right, everybody's going to get better. For sure. I think, um, now obviously having a full team is, is better, right? But 
even as much as like getting a spotter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. like, like I, I literally, I train people. I would say off the top of my head, I'd have to do the math, but off the top of my head, I would say 90% of the people I train won't even ask somebody to spot them. Isn't that crazy? I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, it, and I put stuff, like, I mean, you see my videos. I do sketchy stuff. So, yeah. um, and and I'll, I have people that that want to do sketchy stuff. Like, I, I never, I never, there are certain things I don't program unless somebody asks me to. But I'll program something sketchy, like a, um, like a reverse grip bench press or, or a bench press with a Mauser block, right? That, which are bad, which that sure. is a bad idea. That is a bad idea. But yeah. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. That is a yeah. bad idea, but I, I, I'm really good at bad idea stuff. So I'm with you. I know what's up. <laughs> so, but there are people that ask me, Hey, I want to bench press with a Mauser block. I, okay, sure. But you have to have a spotter and then they'll do it without a spotter. it's like not only is your progress would be better if you had the spotter but that might actually kill you (laughs) (laughs) you know it just blows my mind and uh you know and and there are certain things that um you don't need a spotter for in my opinion like i think like power lifters always harp when they see me squatting because a lot of times i don't squat with a spotter but i can bail on a squat but um, even knowing how to bail on a squat, I still know that if I do get a spotter, that I'll perform better. Like it, oh, yeah. it, it makes a difference, right? I don't really need it, but having somebody there and have in and, and knowing, hey, this is going to be okay. Like that makes a huge, huge difference. Yeah, yeah, and it's like people might not realize it, but if they if they just paid attention to that fact, like just pay attention to when they're lifting with a spotter versus without, and their numbers will be across the board better when they have somebody there, without a doubt. And you're right, it's it's I think it's kind of like a safety thing in your head. Like you you're it's even if this doesn't go well, I'm gonna be all right versus if you don't have a spotter and you're you're on the uh you know, you're you're teetering back and forth on whether or not this should be attempted. You're not even going to try it, right? But it's it's you're it's 100 percent accurate. What you what you just said is 100 percent accurate. And people, all they would have to do is kind of like pay attention to that for a couple of weeks, and they would see it too. Yeah, and I'm just talking like, hey, you're at the gym, and there's like a dude you don't even know his first name, and you're like, hey, will you right. come over? Yeah, and absolutely. Um, and, and that's like the bare minimum, I think. If if you go if I said hey Quint and I knew you and I said spot me then there's even more benefit to that and then yeah oh for sure and then if if it's a guy that you lift with week after week there's even more benefit to that than the than the others yeah. and um, yeah. but I think people really miss the boat on that I think um, I'm not sure like what uh, what changed I think maybe just access to weights and like the home gym phenomenon and all this sort of stuff. Um, maybe uh makes that seem like it's okay to do it on your own or like or maybe it's just the mentality of like hey i did this on my own like people are looking for that or i'm not sure exactly um what the disconnect is there but there is definitely benefit to training um with other people and more importantly training with people that are better than you absolutely that's i that's my favorite i, I tell people that, like when, when i was at my best i was Constantly training with two guys that they're um, 
you know, one of them is has moved. He's out of town. I still train with him sporadically. Actually, he might. He's the one that will probably come out to teams. Uh, but then Adam, who's he's got a couple of kids. He still trains, but competitively. But I was we the three of us would train together all the time, and I mean, I was the smallest, but I was the weakest as well. But I that was when. I felt the best about myself, like strength wise, was just having, I mean, those, not even necessarily trying to keep up. I mean, yeah, I would try to keep up, but when you're training with people better, it's going to make you better. There's no doubt about it. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. I think, um, you know, there's, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what the disconnect is, but, uh, but that's, that's kind of, um, lost on, on most people. I think, um, I think, well, I think on some, some people don't want to train with somebody that's better than them because then they're not the best there. They're, they're not getting the attention. Maybe I don't know, but I, I, I can guarantee it. There are people that when they're training, want to be the strongest in their group. Um, I don't know if it's the ego thing or I don't know, but there's definitely those people out there. Yeah. Well, you know, th- there's probably a lot of different, um, different factors that play into that but i i would say you know at least try it and give it an honest try like like you know it goes back to a year right i think if you can find somebody and train train with a group for a year give it an honest try if you do it if you do it for less than a year were you really was it an honest try probably not so get a get a find a team find a partner even if it's not consistent if you can only meet up and do like maybe you have like an event day and you can only meet up like once a month with this, like just do it and do that for a year and, uh, and see what happens. I think you'd be very pleased with the results. Oh yeah. I mean, even all those event days, I mean, I I do those at the gym. Um, I mean, in the winter, it's kind of tougher to do out here, but, uh, in the summer we'll do, you know, Saturdays or Sundays and we'll do an event day and I'll I'll invite whoever wants to come up. I've got, I've got a lot of equipment that a lot of even the, uh, you know, strong man gyms within, an hour or two radius don't have um and they've they come out here and there to train it but if i do those days they'll all come out and even even just those days people they'll, they'll be doing things and hitting numbers that they've never hit or done things that they've never done before like yeah for sure i i, I see it a lot i see um uh you, you can you can almost tell the difference um right like when you go to a competition and you can tell who was training with people and who oh yeah it, because th- they just have a different uh oh, I, I, it's going to sound weird but they just they they will approach the platform differently like yeah, oh, yeah. because because <clears throat> you know they're used to all these people watching them they're used to having this um uh like hey i have to do well or or you know and like kind of uh kind of walked like swagger to them almost because there's they know what that pressure is and and they've 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 been even if it's their first show right if you trained with a team for a whole year and did and did your first show it's almost like you're not doing your first show because you were training with all these people and they were all doing the events and they were all yelling and screaming and you you did little mini competitions leading up to it you know and you you can kind of tell yeah, yeah. there's a certain confidence there that um i think uh other people don't have i'm not saying yeah, they, i agree I don't think I'm not saying they can't have that confidence, but I think that there's definitely a difference there. I agree 100, and I think it's nice. Even I mean, I've been doing the sport a long time. Um, it's nice to know that whether you're there with a the whole team or just 
somebody else. It's nice to know that you have somebody there. Because what if something, if, even if it's an event, maybe it's just it's kind of an odd event, and something goes wrong, and when you're doing it, you have a minute to do, you know, your brain's trying to figure out what's going on. But just it's nice to just, whether they can help you or not, like you have somebody there, and if something goes wrong, you know that they're going to be, you know, they're going to have your back one way or the other. They're going to, you got, you got more eyes on you. They, you know that they're, they're there for your success and, and yours only. You're, it's, they, they're not out to get you, anything like that. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of a comforting thought. Yeah, I think, I think another thing, too, that's, that's overlooked. Now, this is very small, right? This isn't like, um, this isn't a huge deal. At least I don't think so. But I think if you're talking inches, right? And like, especially like at the level that you've competed at and like, you know, it inches matter. I mean, we can get into that conversation later, but it's going to make a difference at, at a certain point. It's going to make a difference. And yeah. um, I think when you're training as a team or a group and you have a training partner or whatever, there are these little things like, um, let's say you're training a uh, keg over bar and it's for reps and you're, you're training this. It's not at a competition. You're training it and you got a yoke. Um, what holds that yoke in place? Right? Like, you could put weights on it maybe, but that takes you all, all damn day. Your training partner can hold the platform, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's what happens at a lot of competitions, right? So if if you're hitting that yoke and it's rocking and moving while they're holding it, you know that's what's going to happen at the show. In, in the worst case, yeah. in the worst case scenario, right? Well, now sure. when, when they go, you hold it. So now you know how to hold it in place. Like you're learning how to hold this in place, right? So now when you go to the show and you watch the volunteers holding the thing, holding this thing in place, you can tell if they're doing it good. You can tell if they're doing it bad. How many times have you been at a show where somebody was doing a keg over bar or or a stone or or whatever it is, and they ran into the the bar and it moved and they dropped it? Whereas if they had lifted it up and over, but but they had it in their mind that that thing wasn't going to move. Sure, absolutely. If, if you have training partners, you will learn things like that. You will learn. Yeah, yeah. You will learn. Um, well, number one, you can't do a truck pull without a training partner. So now you're screwed there. Like, well, I mean, with with a rope. I mean, you could do, but you still need somebody in the vehicle. <laughs> right. Right. No, you're right. I got you. So, but now you learn, like this person. If I'm if I'm training truck pull with you, you're going to have me hand you the rope a certain way. And, and then I can tell you how to hand the, and we're actually going to learn through that communication, what's the best way to hold the rope. Duh. Yeah. And I, I've in fact at shows where I've done truck pulls that have a lead rope. Um, I've almost always brought my own, yes. you know, feeder, like feeder out there. If, and, and most of the time they'll let you, sometimes they won't, if they don't, they don't, but if they allow it, I will almost a hundred percent bring my guy out there with me to do it. Uh, yeah, 100%. And, and like, a lot of people will say, like, that's the coach's job. And I don't mind doing that. I will go to a show, and I will I will feed the rope for every one of my people. But what if I can't make it? You know, like, it's and your training partners could be there, and they can do it for you. And, and then you can do it for them. And it makes, the, it makes it just everything so much more efficient and so much more um, just run smoothly. Or... If it's a show where uh, they're running multiple events at once, 
and you only have one coach for a whole team. It's like I can't tow the rope for you because I might have to be doing. Uh, I might have to be handing a, a bench press off. They don't do that in strongman, but you get what I'm saying. I might be handing yeah, a, yeah. a bench press off over here, and I have to make a decision. Who can I help? Well, if if you have enough training partners and you trust them, and they all know how how you like the bench handoff and how you like the rope handed to you, it makes things run smoother, and it actually helps in the competition. Um, it helps a lot. It's as it's, it's small as that sounds, but like having having somebody that you're familiar with taking that rope. Like if I'm the if I'm the guy pulling the truck, having someone you're familiar with taking that rope versus somebody that you're not and they're not familiar with you. You won't do as well in that event. I, I promise you. And it, while it might be tiny, going back to what you said, when it becomes a game of inches, that that can be a difference maker. For like one hundred percent, especially with the um, the truck pull and the rope. Um, I, I, yeah. pride, I pride myself on being a really damn good truck puller, um, and I would say more than an inch I had several inches worth of my of my um skill or ability or whatever to do the truck pull um is based simply on handling the rope i handle the rope better than most people and um and that and that's just fact and that's because early on when i first started doing strongman we had a solid group and we didn't have a lot of equipment, but for whatever reason we had a harness <laughs> so 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 we pulled trucks literally every weekend for months. And, um, and I got really good at like, Hey man, this is how you hold the rope. This is how I want the rope handed to me. And, um, I just feel that my start, especially on the truck pull is better than most people because I know how to deal with the rope. And that never would have happened had I been training by myself. Great. Yeah. That's a perfect example right there. Um, and, and you know it, it's not just complicated events like like we said earlier if if it's a, uh, a, a a squat even you know just having a spotter is um, is useful or if if you're a really strong group right having somebody to share the burden of loading the damn plates <laughs> oh my god yeah that can, that can sometimes be the worst part of it <laughs> you know I mean there are there are days when I would pay somebody to load the bar you know? yeah, right. <laughs> um, but but that that wears on you you know uh, loading loading the the bar up and um, I think too that uh, something else that's now training partners can do the opposite here as well which is one of the which would be a downside but I think for the most part, training partners will prevent you, at least good training partners will prevent you from making stupid training decisions. Like, yeah. you know, like, hey, maybe you shouldn't just jump 100 pounds between sets. Or, no, right. you know. or the, the, the good ones will cut you off when they know you've done enough for the day that as frustrated as you are trying to go farther is only going to get you hurt. Yes. Yeah, and I think that that's that's super important because I mean oh, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how many times I've trained by myself and probably you know went further than than I should have and ended up you know missing a lift or or whatever the getting mad whatever the case Paying is. Forward for a while, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and uh, yeah, I think that that's a big part of it. And you know, your training partners might not be good enough to do that in the beginning, um, especially if you're all fairly new, but as you progress, remember they progress too, and you'll progress. You progress faster together, um, so they will become tra- good training partners very quickly. Oh yeah. 
Again, I mean, it, it's... I mean, that's a given. It's You're not familiar with it. I mean, it's going to take a little time, but it'll, it'll happen fast. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, from your... Uh, from your experience, um, and, and you've have you you've trained alone and and with a team, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, from your experience, is, is there like a size of a team that you think is is best? Like six people, three people, ten people, a hundred people? Uh, you know, I don't know if I can give you a, a number that I think is best, but I think it can be. I, I, you're trying to do too many, and 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 do it as well. Like, I guess, I guess I should rephrase that. So if a group of 20, I would say is not going to work. However, if you can, if you can break that group, uh, that team of 20 into three teams of seven, then I think you're fine. And I think that's great. But if it, if it gets to be too much where everybody is, you know, doing the one thing, I don't see that being real efficient. Um, I think, I think four to six, is would be really good. You know, I, I actually, I, I think for me, a good group of three to five, I think would probably be best for me individually. But um, I don't know if there's a perfect number. I've, I've had huge groups before, and I had a blast doing it. Uh, but too much, if it's, I mean, too big can could be overwhelming if it's, especially if it's all, you know, all in one group. And, and if I'm the, if, if it's a lot, or mostly new people with me there's no way they're going to get enough out of that. There's just not enough attention to go around. Yeah, I would say I agree. I think three to five is, um, is the sweet spot uh, on, on average. Cause you know, I think, I think most gyms, um, even, even like a home garage gym could hold three people to five people. Um, right, yeah. and I think, I think that's a quality number. And like you said, if, if you had more than that, then I think it would be best to break them into subgroups. Um, if if the gym or wherever you're training at can house you know multiple groups or whatever, but yeah, three to mm-hmm. five, three to five, I think would be a really good, um, a really good team, and I think you would have a great atmosphere doing that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, I think that the energy and the atmosphere at that size is great. Um, so, and I'm not against. I'm actually I'm a fan of. You know, every one, every week, every two weeks, um, maybe not every week, but I probably do it at least once every two weeks where I will purposely train alone. And I usually do it in, you know, the, they call it the dungeon at the facility I train out of. Uh, we, you, it's three floors, really, and you can do most of it on that main floor. But I've got a whole basement that's just my strongman stuff. And I, I mean, people come down there to train, but. Every couple of weeks, I will train in the basement by myself. I don't let anyone else down there. I don't play music. It's and I just, I just train with me and whatever I'm training. And I like it. I think it's good mentally. Um, I wouldn't do it every time, but like, it, there comes a time where like I need it. Like I just need, I need a training session. I need to be alone with you know my thoughts and bare hands and whatever else I'm using. And I like that. Like I think, it, and I think that's good for a lot of. Um, athletes or strongman competitors. I don't recommend doing it every day, but I think you should. I think you should do that. Who knows? At least once a month, once every two weeks, whatever it might be. <clears throat> yeah, I think. Um, in, in you know, I, I can do some. I do similar things. Um, 
when I when I trained for uh, Strongest Man in the Forest this last time, um, in the beginning of the training cycle, um, I trained by myself. Um, I didn't I didn't wear any equipment. I didn't wear a belt or anything. You know, and that was all self regulating. It was kind of to keep keep me held back a little bit. Um, that was just my my motivation going in. And then closer to time, I actually got with a guy um, and trained with him. He was actually training for a different competition. It was a month later or two weeks later or something. But um, we trained together, and I trained with him. And then that ramped the training cycle up, you know, like like leading in because I was training with him, so everything was more difficult, harder. You know, I'd start putting my belt on for stuff and started doing that. And, um, you know, I think it's important to know when to ramp up and when not to. And, um, and, and sometimes, sometimes you need those sessions where you're not blasting music and snorting ammonia and putting all your gear on, you know, cause it it saves you, uh, well, it saves your nervous system a lot. It saves you mentally a lot just to be able to ease back, but it also shows where you're at, at your, at your like rawest, I think. Yeah. And for me anyways, and I'm, I might just be weird, but there's there's more to it than even that. Like there's things that I'll notice when I when I'm not playing music and I'm just training by myself. Like I'll notice how the bar like how the bar really feels in my hands, whereas it's something I wouldn't pay attention to more often. Or if I'm doing stones, like how that really feels like everywhere because there's no distractions, there's no nothing, and it seems to be quite beneficial. I'm not going to say that that's going to happen with everybody, but like little things I'll notice when I'm training, you know, just like I said, in silence and by myself. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, it is easier to learn with less, um, less distraction and, and it's like, it's important to, to keep, uh, learning cause you can improve. I mean, you know, like you've been in the game for 10 years and, you know, I'm sure you learn stuff every probably not every week, but every, every year at least. Oh yeah. Very often. And, um, and, and you're probably one of the top guys that, that you're training with. So for you to learn stuff, a lot of the time it's going to be on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. So I think that that's something else that's, uh, that people have to keep in mind when you're like kind of the top dog in the group. Um, a lot of the, the learning is, is harder for you to learn because you have to teach yourself. Sure. Um, and, and, but if you're not the top guy, it's important to be in that group because the top guys are, you know, or, or, or women are going to teach you um, stuff, you know, and, and, and they might even be able to point that out, right? Like most people don't think about what you just said, but you could tell your people, hey, when you're alone and you're lifting by yourself, think about how this feels. Yeah. And most people don't even think that they just grab whatever and just pick it up. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I think maybe if they're a bodybuilder or something, because that's kind of in the culture. But for strongmen, uh, people don't really think about like, oh, what muscle group am I using or what? How does this feel? And I think that's that's important. And um, and you could te- you can tell them that. <clears throat> so and I do, and yeah, I, and I, I agree, and I do tell them. I don't. I think it's hard for a lot of people to to do it on their own like there's those people that even even going to the gym without you know me being there or without their training partner like they don't even like that's hard for them to motivate for themselves to do it but i do try to instill it to even even to just try it you know try it one time we'll train in silence and on your own and just learn like learn what you learn from 
not having distractions and doing everything. You, you, I, I say you, you learn a lot just getting under a barbell. Like, you're going to learn a lot about lifting from just getting under it. Whether anybody's there or not, it's going to teach you one way or the other. You're going to learn how to do it later. It's going to sideline you for a few weeks, but it's going to teach you. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so to change gears just a little bit, um, I want to talk about um, speed events. Uh, well, I, I, that's a bad name. Uh, moving events um, and, and speed in regards to those moving events um, because you are really fast. So we need to uh, we need to discuss we need to discuss this. Um, so uh, you are very quick um, in these moving events. I, I have seen. Um, I've seen you do events and it's like watching a, a vampire in a television show where they're like here and then they blip over here. <laughs> You're like, what? How, how did he get over there? But, um, anyways, uh, and I, I hear a lot of people, I saw something on a, uh, a Facebook group, um, yesterday or today, some guy was saying that, um, he wanted to get rid of the, the speed events in Strongman because, um, Strongman should be about being strong and yada, yada, yada. And, I have my own opinion. Um, I wanted to get your take on speed events, uh, how that relates to strongman, and just just kind of your your opinion on it. Well, I guess the my first question is what what's a speed event, um, or you know when you say that somebody has good speed. So I, if you're talking about going to a show with and it's got like a fifty foot yoke run, is that a speed event? Um, I, do I think we should get rid of it? No. I, I and if it's if the yoke is appropriate weight, then I don't know why people would really argue with it. Anyways, now I do get like the I, I've done shows and even at high levels and you know where mistakes are made where you're doing a, a moving event uh, of any type and the implement is far too light for that level of competitor and it becomes a literal whose judge has the fastest stopwatch, that gets frustrating. Um, but so I guess I, I need to clarify, what do you mean by, by speed events? Events like a max effort Husenfeld though, is that a speed event? So, um, yeah, so that, that's a good, that's a good counter question. Um, and, and I know in your weight class specifically, you guys, <laughs> you guys get, uh, it could be all over the place, right? Um, yeah. I, I know, cause I have seen, um, it seems like on the amateur level, um, uh, and, you know, nationals is an amateur level too, but um, I would say amateur shows that aren't nationals, a lot of the times, like a yoke carry, um, they will largely underestimate the freaky strength of the lightweight guys and will be like, hey, here's a here's a 200-pound yoke for you to play with. And then, and yeah, it's like who has the fastest stopwatch. But then you go to nationals and they just don't care at all about the lightweights, so they're like, "Hey, here's a 900 pound yoke." Like, and, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I've seen that too. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I can see some discrepancy there. But specifically, these comments on the Facebook group were being made about pro shows, and I don't see on the pros. Um, I don't see those kind of mistakes being made. I think at pro shows um, or, or like the the Arnold and things like that, I, I don't see where um, they ever make something too light. Now, I might be wrong, okay. but I don't so, think... Yeah. Let's assume, let's assume that's right. I, mean, I think I agree with you that at the... You know, especially with... Even... You don't see the, those as many of those mistakes made at the heavier weight classes in general because at a certain point, like, 
heavy is going to be heavy, right, <laughs> no right. matter how much you weigh. Um, so, assuming that weight is appropriate, what are what are the events that there is? It really like is a is a stone series a speed event? Is is a max distance carry a speed event? Is that what they're saying? Anything not static? Yeah, I think uh, I, I I wouldn't say a stone series per se. I think the ones mentioned were. Um, were you know farmers and um and, and yoke and uh maybe maybe like a, a husafel carry or something and so i don't know i guess I'd, I'd be curious to read this because like especially you know farmers walk i think doesn't necessarily get a bad rap but you don't see it in as many contests anymore like i remember it always being in and it's always been a staple um too strong, man. And maybe it's not the funnest event to watch. I don't know. I kind of do like the farmer walk. Um, but those events that you just mentioned, like the yoke, farmer, Husafel, those are, I mean, those are like traditional events that have been around forever. And I think they're extremely important to the sport. Like, I think that's part, that's what separates strong, man. Like, that it is static and it is moving. And I, and my best events, I mean, in prime, we're probably the two, the, the overhead, the deadlift, the most static. Like, I love the movie stuff. Um, <clears throat> and it's, I don't know, I don't train your phone. I don't, I don't see how somebody says there's no place. Like, that's what Strongman is. If that's been a part of it forever, how is it not a place? Well, I think there's this, I think there's a certain group of people in the sport that, um, that likes the, uh, what was it? What's the the yoke they use at the pro men's Arnold? They call it the the yoke, oh, the bale. Yeah, that insane. Yeah, and and they want that sort of thing, but but that that's not even pleasing to watch. First of all, I think that's a like my opinion. I think that's a stupid event. You you get a bunch of guys that can move it maybe six inches, then four or five guys get hurt, <laughs> and, and and then the guy that does finish, like sure his run was entertaining, but. Then there's like four or five people that have to like hump the thing across the stage, and they're just stumbling around like a fool. And you know, I, I just don't. I don't think that's entertaining, and I don't think that that shows um, a, a crowd that you can do something impressive. I think that that's that's just like punishment and suffering i think that they're watching and the, yeah and the arnold the pro arnold show i mean seems to be that like it's these absolutely insanely heavyweight for all the events um and i don't like i kind of like the fact that like it differs from world strong's way that it's you know the, the arnold you're gonna have to you're gonna have to move Really heavy stuff, and I don't know how many events they do. So that's whatever it is. Um, and what Charles Man, you know, there is, is going to be more of a test of endurance or speed. Um, but I like that that the, that there's those two kind of dynamics, and you don't have to be all one side or all the other. There's shows that you have both in. Yeah, I think um, I think something that people fail to look at before they open their mouth a lot of the time. Um, on on Facebook or any kind of social media is when when you look at the people that are winning the moving events and uh, there it's it's not like uh, what is, is it twelve or ten people are in the finals for World Strongest Man is it twelve ten yeah um, <clears throat> let's let's say it's ten it's not like they have the moving event and the guy in last place wins it 
and then and then he and then he loses every other of it. It's the the people that are on the podium are winning the moving event too. So if it was oh, yeah. if it was purely about speed, why is Half Thor still dominating moving events? Why, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for a long time, Brian Shaw dominated all the moving events. Like it can't possibly be purely speed because the same people winning everything else is also winning those events. The, and, and I'll, and I agree. Now, even, you know, from a personal standpoint, I think training with moving events and doing the, the stuff that's, you know, more out of the ordinary, that's going to make you stronger in static stuff anyways. Right. It, like it's going to make you more complete and more dynamic as a, as a competitor or just an athlete in general. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, and not not to bash on them too much, but but powerlifters. I see all these powerlifters whining and crying all the time about walking out your squat, and it's like, dude, if you just did yoke carries like once a month, like walking out your squat wouldn't even be a big deal. Um, yeah. Oh, I know. I, I, I actually, when there's a powerlifting group at our gym, I like to get on the monolift and walk the squat out right. just to. Uh, <laughs> Like egg them on a little bit more, yeah. They're they're a big fan of that too. Yeah, it, it blows my mind that like uh, even the guy, even the people that um, that lift in like the USAPL or something where they don't use the monolift and they have to walk it out. There's a lot of people that miss their squat because they had to walk. They couldn't walk out their squat weight, and that just yeah. that just blows my mind. Like they walk it out and they end up in a bad position, and I'm thinking, well, I could walk my squat weight across the room. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, like what? <laughs> you know, like, I, so I, I don't like. You're right. These these moving events, they only can help you. I think. Um, yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. How many times have you seen uh, somebody deadlift and stumble? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Would Would that happen if they were doing farmers walks? I don't think so. I think yeah. you would have better better balance with weight. Yeah, I don't think there's a better exercise for your core than carrying a yoke i mean maybe some overhead carries but like something that you're going to do regularly i don't think there's anything better for your core like core stability yeah probably not i mean any anything where you're uh you're walking and then there, there's tons of variations like a one-armed farmers or whatever that yeah. that could they could benefit um and i think a lot you know the top people they're seeing this i mean you see like uh like larry wheels and stan efforting and and I'm, I'm talking people outside of strongman. They're adding that in. I mean, Stan Efferding mm-hmm. is a huge proponent of um, trap bar carries now, and um, <clears throat> you know, and I, I think if you spoke to him, he would say, "Yeah, farmers is even better." Or you know, it's just that he's talking to um, powerlifters and bodybuilders predominantly, and it's like they have a trap bar, so he's doing a trap bar carry. Sure, but I understand that. I think if you spoke to him individually, he would say, "Well, yeah, farmers walks just as good." Or you know, uh, or yoke carry is just as good. It's just he is talking to a group of people that probably he knows they have a trap bar, so he's saying to carry a trap bar. Um, but yeah, pe- people are seeing that across the board. It, it only makes you. Uh, it only makes you better. It only makes you stronger. Yeah, agreed. And and I think this stems. This goes full circle. And a lot of the people saying this stuff and saying, "Oh, that's just a speed event or whatever," it's coming from people that probably two or three types of people, people that aren't very good at moving events are saying this and they don't, they either don't want to get better at it or they don't know how to get better at it. So they're saying, let's get rid of it. 
Um, or it's people like we talked about earlier that had no athletic background and have no athleticism and they either don't want to get athletic or they don't know how to get athletic. So their answer is, Hey, let's get rid of that. Yeah. And no, I, and I agree. I, both those points I agree with. I, I was not, I was not good at moving events when I first started. Like stuff like the Hoosatel, I always did well on. Like max distance stuff, I always did well on. But as far as like shorter farmers or yoke, when I first started, I was bad. I mean, maybe I wasn't bad, but I certainly wasn't as good as I was at others. Um, part of it had to do with, you know, grip strength. And I, as big as I am, I don't have the biggest hands in the world. Um, so I really had to get my grip strong and I, and I just had to learn to carry yoga. And yet, and I eventually was very, you know, very good, very good on the yoga and you could run with most people the farmers, but yeah, you have to, you have to work on the things that you want to do that. And I'm going to get good. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I think, you know, if you've been in the game, right, I'm sure you'll agree with this. If, if let's say moving events, uh, and you kind of already said this, but let's say moving events are your weakest point and you hate them and you suck at them. I think a lot of people think, oh, well, I suck at this moving event. If I spend a bunch of time getting better at this moving event, I'm only going to get marginally better at it, which isn't true. If it's your worst event, it will get good fast. But, but then on top of that, it's your weakest link. When you get good at that, everything else will get good too. Everything will get better. Um, and, and, and but I don't think people we'll see it that way. I think most people think, "Oh, well, I'm going to improve my farmer's walk like by this little tiny margin, and it's not going to help anything else whatsoever." And, I, and it's not true. Yeah, not only will it help everything, but I think there's a lot of people that are on the other side that really excel at one thing. Like they are an ungodly presser. And because they're so good at that, that's what they keep getting better at. Like, that's what they want to keep training. So, they sure, they're the best presser on the planet for their weight class, but they never get any good at the other stuff because they think that if they don't train the press like they've been training it, that it's going to go away. Like, it's just going to disappear overnight. Yeah, and uh, so I, I think, um, and you're, you're a, a coach, you've been a coach for a while, I think um, you've probably heard two different theories on, on coaching. Um, one is, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link, so you have to bring that up. That's a pretty common thing, right? Yeah. But, but you also hear, and top coaches will say this, um, you can't really argue too much against it, is that um, you need to work on your weakest link, but you need to play to your strengths. And you need to focus on that because you can blow the doors off of people with your strengths. And I think both are, are applicable. I think it obviously it depends on the person and what exactly is the weak link and what exactly is the strength, right? But but those are two viable options in coaching. But I think you can meet in the middle. <laughs> and, I think, and, I, and I think you have to try to meet in the middle. I mean, I think you do want to play to your strengths. Like if... if um, uh, I'm trying to think of a, what a good example, but if you, if you have... I mean, Tom Brady's. If you have, if you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, you're going to want to throw the ball. Like I, absolutely. But you're you're still probably not going to win anything if your defense scores or gives up a thousand points a game. Um, so I think you have to try to be in the middle. Yeah, you do want to play your strengths, but you you can't just neglect your weaknesses altogether. Yeah, I think um, 
you know, playing to your strengths is would be to me would be like, um, like, 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 okay, so you got a really good overhead, so you're pressing overhead and you don't want to let that suffer. Okay, sure. So put your overhead press at the beginning of the week. You get two days off on the weekend. You press on Monday. You know, I don't know how your schedule set up, but we're just play ball. <laughs> you're, yeah, pressing, sure. you're pressing on Monday. And do your moving event after that. Don't do a heavy farmer's walk on Monday and then try to do your overhead press on Tuesday, right? Like that wouldn't right. that might not make much sense in the in the scheme of things. So so do the press on Monday and then do a moving event um, later in the week. Hell, you could do moving events twice that week. You could do it on Tuesday and Friday or you know, Saturday, what whatever, right? Um, so you could still do the moving events without hurting your overhead press at all. Um, right. if you're intelligent. You basically just actually um, was almost 100% accurate on my training schedule that you just said that. But I'm not really training events right now, but um, I'm actually just kind of starting to add them in because I, after Worlds, I always just kind of get away from the events for a while and just kind of train. When I, when I haven't been training, but uh, when I am training events or when I am getting ready for a show, I will do moving events twice a week, usually Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday is always really light, whether it's just to go fast or to go like farther distances, and Fridays I'll do them heavy, and I'll, and I'll vary them all the time, but yeah, you absolutely can. Um, and I also, I wouldn't do I wouldn't do moving events heavy before a press, either, like the, how you kind of explained it either, because whether I, if I press super heavy, it, that's not really going to affect my moving event training anyways, where if I do moving events real heavy, that could affect my press training. So there's, like you said, like there's, you don't have to neglect your weakness just to play your strengths. Yeah, I think uh, as long as you understand how <clears throat> to set up uh, programming intelligently, and, and there is enough information out there now that um, you don't have an excuse. You don't have that excuse. If you're going to go online and say, hey, you know, they shouldn't do moving events because I'm not good at them, <clears throat> you don't have that excuse. You don't have the excuse to where um, you can't get good at it because of training because, uh, you know, there are podcasts, there are articles, there are most of the strongmen, the top strongmen, <clears throat> you can just message them on Instagram and they will respond. I mean, you can, there is no reason to, uh, to suck at an event anymore, you know, to, uh, to the, to the, to the degree that you're like, we shouldn't be doing this anyway. Like there's no reason to be, there's no reason to be that bad at an event anymore. And, and now there's coaches crawling out of the woodwork. So uh, there's just no reason. Way more access to gyms that have implements too. Like they might not be strongman gyms, but way more gyms at least have farmer walk handles. Or um, some of them you can get the stones now, with the, the steel ones that are low because they don't make a mess. And it's a lot easier. It's it's a lot easier for people. Like even when I started ten years ago, there wasn't this much around. Like it's growing so fast. You're, there is no excuse. And some people, I think, use the excuse. Some people say they hate something that they're not good at just because they're not good at it. Like, it's, I, I don't, I think if they actually did it and, you know, worked on it a little bit, they might realize, you know, I don't hate that this is actually way better than doing But since they're not good at it, they don't want to try it. You're listening to Get Strong or Die 
We'll be back right after this. Introducing Get Strong AF one-on-one online coaching with Hannah the Destroyer. This coaching program is for the focused and dedicated woman who wants to get stronger and compete. You'll never be left in the dark from bi-weekly training calls to support via text and email. She has your back every step of the way. There's made-for-you training sessions. Every exercise, every lift, every piece of equipment used has you and your goals in mind. And also, there's strong mindset training because we understand that strength and mindset go hand-in-hand. There will be weekly prompts, videos to up-level your mindset so when it comes to step on the competition floor, you are 100% ready. If you are interested in this, go ahead and email hannah at powerthroughmovement.net or look for more info at powerthroughmovement.net. I think, too... this is a lot. Uh, I don't want to go off in too much of a tangent here, but I think too that uh, people are so um, insecure is one word, but they're but they're also obsessed with like the sport specific thing. Like let's take let's take like a deadlift for example, and you know the, that's like the big thing now, right? Like everybody worships the deadlift, and that's like the king lift and whatever, right? I, I take it, in my opinion, take it or leave it. But um, let's say you just hate deadlifting. You don't even have to deadlift to get your deadlift better. I mean, you could literally do something else, and it will improve your deadlift. Like you, you could do, yeah. you could do straight legged deadlifts. You could do if your good morning goes way up, your deadlift went up. If if you just opted to squat twice a week instead of doing squat deadlift, your deadlift is going to go up. Now, if if you're doing suited squats to a box with your feet, you know. 94 inches apart maybe that's not going to carry over to your deadlift but if if you're squatting reasonably you know it's going to carry over to your deadlift so you don't even have to deadlift to get your deadlift better so if you really just hate an event and you're just like hey i I do not want to do that specific thing there are almost always workarounds there is there is no excuse multiple workarounds multiple yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't think of an event off the top of my head, anyway. That's that, that that's common. Where I think that you absolutely have to do that event to get good at it. I just don't think there is. One. I mean, even something like moss wrestling. I don't think you have to spend massive amounts of time on the moss board to be good at it. I, like, I think when I went to. Uh, I did the Arnold um, Moss Wrestling Championships last year, and I think I think I got fourth fourth place. The guy, the guy, the the Russia's number one guy beat me, uh, beat me, and then I dropped into the losers bracket. I fought my way out of the losers bracket, and I ended up facing him again, <laughs> which was oh. so he beat me again. So I think I got fourth place overall. And I how did you do this thing? Out of curiosity, did you hold your own? Um, the first, uh, the first bout, it was two out of three. Um, he beat me, I beat him and he beat me. So, um, and then, uh, but yeah, so I think I trained twice on the Moss board leading up to that. (laughs) I mean, I just, I don't think you have to, um, there are workarounds, right? There was a million other things that I was doing to be capable and ready for that. Now, now the two sessions I did were pretty serious. I think that moss wrestling is, is a little bit different than traditional events like stones or log press or whatever. I don't think it's a lot different, but I think there are some subtleties and I had some pretty tough sessions two times leading into that, but I 
it wasn't something where I thought I had to moss wrestle three days a week or anything like that. Um, I could take somebody that really hates moss wrestling and doesn't want to do it, and I could get them good in a couple sessions, good enough to probably win at most strongman competitions. Yeah, sure. And I've, I and if we say mock wrestling, I've only done mock wrestling once. It was April. It was in the show I put on in Chicago a few years ago. Um, I had never done it. We didn't know much about it. One of my buddies that has been in the city kind of built a makeshift board because he was doing the same show. We played around with it one day. But, like, truly up to it, like, how did I not really, other than watching the video, I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, but I just watching what they did, I was like, okay, well, I can do these kind of things that will at least hopefully help me in this event. Um, and to touch on another point of view, where when they announced this was going to be an event, or, like, I loved it. Like, I loved doing stuff like that. At first, I was kind of excited about it. Um, but everybody's bashing it. The long and strong and all this stuff. Uh, so, when I got there, and I didn't know, maybe I would end up agreeing with them or not. I had a blast doing it, and I did really well. Uh, one guy did, like I said, with the, with the scoring, I finished second. Um, so, one guy beat me. There was only one guy that actually did Moss Wrestling, and I think he finished in third in the event. He wasn't even the guy that won it. Um, but, first of all, it's fun as hell. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's awesome. Even when you lose, it's fun. Like it's, it's, it's a cool, cool event. And I think... There's definitely technique that I didn't have that would have been beneficial, but I don't think anybody really had it at that point in time. Um, and obviously, everybody was just training to get better at it without actually, you know, having done it. It's, there's there's a, there's a dozen things you can do. Uh, some of them might not have been right, but, but you know, just look at what you're doing and think what can what can help help me in that movement or that you know event whatever it might be yeah 100 percent. i think um and i think you there are tons of examples just like the one that you said you know you you did it what one time you said yeah we didn't even know what we were doing we just had a little he made a makeshift board we had a pole and we just yanked on it for a while <laughs> yeah and he's like 40 pounds heavier than me so really he was just kind of throwing me around like left <laughs> and right so i learned how to take a fall is basically what i did and and you got you got second in the event at the show, <laughs> well, yeah. right? And and then you you look at um, uh, let's say um, Larry Wheels did uh, a show. I think it was in California. It was like his first strongman show, and um, they had Moss wrestling. And oh, okay, I, I remember him doing that show. I didn't know the events. I think that was a pro show, if if I'm mistaken. It might have been amateur, but I think he was against pros, and um, and he got second place in the moss wrestling. Do you think Larry wheels was practicing moss wrestling at all? I mean, I haven't seen a single video and that guy is all, I mean, he, he goes to the bathroom. He's got, he's filming it. I mean, like, so if, if he had been practicing moss wrestling, we would have seen it. Sure. And there was nothing. And he got second place, you know, but I'm sure when he was, Going into this thing, he thought, you know, I should probably have a strong back. <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly, and, and that's what he did, and, and he got second place. And um, so, I don't think you need to. Uh, well, first of all, I don't think sport specific is is all that necessary. But especially when you don't like something, I don't think in most cases you have to do that exact thing to get better at it. 
No, I do things as dumb and as simple as, you know, putting putting a straight bar on the seated row with the whole stack line, like, you know, the whole stack of plates on there and just kind of yanking on it, like kind of pulling back on it with different grips and everything. Like even stuff that simple, because it's like, well, I mean, this is going to kind of mimic the, the movement, like whatever I can think of. Um, yeah, whatever's going to give you uh, a strong back that's applicable to the situation. And, sure. and a strong grip and hamstrings, you know, and everything that's necessary um, in moss wrestling. Or and that same thing goes to any other event. If you suck at yoke, or if you suck at Husafel, or you don't have to do that. You know, there's a million different things um, that, that that you can that you can do to get better at that without actually doing it. And I think that's kind of it's a, that's a cool part of this sport. Like when I. When I first started, like when you were saying you didn't have a whole lot of equipment in the beginning, I basically had nothing. Like I think, I think I started with a log and a sled when I really, you know, did my first show, and maybe I had a pair of farmer handles. It, but it's not, it's not like playing golf where you can't just visualize hitting a golf ball and you're going to go out there and shoot four under par. Like it's not going to work that way in that. But with strongman, you don't need everything. Like strong is strong. Just get strong. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think, it, but a lot of people have, uh, a lot of people have lost that. Like, man, they, they just, they, they, oh, I got to get my hands on the implement. I got people travel oh, miles my and miles. Pet peeve, I, <laughs> uh, like, I wish, I, I've said this for years. I wish, at least at the big shows, they didn't even announce the events. Yeah. They, they told you the events at the rules meeting. Like, I think. One, I think it evens the playing field completely, but I just think it's that much more fun in general. Like, you would, that's what strongman is, if you ask me. Yeah, for sure. And, and it might, um, you know, I think it's it's tough to bring that up to people now because um, the strongman is not standardized, right? But but there are common events. Yeah, and I think. Uh, now, if you were like, "Hey, I'm going to do blind events," people would complain because a log would show up, and they would say, "Oh, well, I thought we were going to do this, so I didn't do it." And this guy had been doing log, whereas in the beginning, like when they were truly blind events, and they showed up, and there was a log there, that was like literally the first time anybody'd ever seen that. <laughs> yeah, you. If you watch those early contests, you literally can like see them figuring out how to do it while they're doing it. It's, right. And you can like tell that that's what they're doing. It's unbelievable. But that that's what I would like to see. I would like to see blind events and all of them be like just new. Yeah, like super weird stuff. That would be the best show of all time. <laughs> I would sign up immediately. I don't know how many other people would, but I, I'm in. Yeah, if it was just a guarantee, like, listen, nobody's done this. <laughs> yeah, right. It would be the best. Yeah, that would be badass. You know, like can you like when they announced they were doing sumo at uh, the the one strongman? Can you imagine oh my like what they thought like Kazmaier and all those guys when they were like, "Hey, next event sumo wrestling, get your shirts off." Yeah. <laughs> that would be awesome. Your brother does the the pole push, doesn't he? Yeah. I think that's super cool. I've never done it. <laughs> Well, next time you come on out, we'll play around. We got one at the gym, so yeah, he still does that. I thought he, did, I thought he put that in an event. Yeah, it is. It was uh, I'm trying to remember the last event that was it because 
he's been switching it with uh, he's been doing a lot of tug of one on one tug of war. So, uh, oh, okay, which is which is super awesome too. I see people complain about uh, tug of war. Oh, it's dangerous. I hate tug of war. It's like, dude, kid, kids in like middle school play tug of war. Like, what do you mean it's dangerous? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I make all my well. I guess it's not. It's not a standard tug of war, but I put I'll put a little car tire in the middle, you know, where they're ten yards away, and they oh, gotta yeah. run to the tire and they both pick it up and see who can drag. Oh, it's the best! They love it. They love it. All that stuff, you know, it's like some of that stuff, like tug of war and all that, is actually um, it came uh, as training tools, or um, I guess like strength training for like war and 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 actual like combat uh on a a field like a lot of people don't know arm wrestling um in japan uh is is arguably like the birthplace of arm wrestling and it started uh for strength training for wielding a sword um so if if this was if it was really dangerous would you take the people that were defending your country and have them all do it with the risks of them getting mangled like Right. <laughs> yeah, and like tug of war is similar. I'm sure if you go far enough back, tug of war had something to do with with wrestling or fighting or war, and it was yeah. it was a drill to to go along with that. Sumo wrestling is the same. All that stuff is the same. Um, I'm sure moss wrestling probably goes back to something along those lines. It's like it, it can't be that dangerous if you if somebody else is using it to train for their actual sport or. Yeah. Or if kids are doing it in middle school. <laughs> I mean, how dangerous could it be? Like, literally, you'll, you'll never run into somebody that if you said tug of war, they wouldn't know what it was. Like, it's been around hundreds of years. How dangerous can it be? Like, it's, if it's lasted this long, I think, I think you're all right. Uh, little known fact, there is actually a um, tug of war... Uh, like world and national league and there's one in in the US but they they primarily operate out of the Midwest and they don't they rarely do shows or events like on the east or west coast for some reason but you can you can register a team and they have like um, all these guidelines and they actually they, they 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 it's like a legit a big legit thing and um you have to have a membership and all that and you can qualify for like the national championships and um, and all that operates out um, pro- probably close to you out in in the Midwest there, Indiana, um, and, and all those places. Okay, we were looking into that's interesting. Yeah, I actually um, on my phone I have the the homepage pulled up in my browser because um, it's it's not super important right now, but it's one of those things I'm going to look into later to see about um, putting a team together and trying it once. You should. That'd be awesome. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if if you got all these people doing that, and, and it used to be tug of war used to be big in um, uh, some of the Highland Games things too. I mean, tug of war has sprung up here and there all throughout um, strength sports and, ge- and sports in general as a training tool. It, it can't possibly be that dangerous. Like I said, if if you're doing it to train for your actual sport, then it has to be somewhat low risk, right? Like, like I'm not going to take up. Uh, like 
I, I don't know what would be dangerous. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take up jumping the Grand Canyon on a motorcycle every weekend to get better at strongman because chances are I'm gonna break every bone in my body. <laughs> like, so I think if you know I think if kids are playing tug of war to get better at football, I think it's a pretty safe assumption that um, tug of war is probably not that dangerous. I agree. However. If you do decide to try to jump the Grand Canyon with a motorcycle, I will fully support that training. Like, and I will witness it when it comes down to it. But it's probably not going to get you much better at strongman. <laughs> I think. Uh, I, th- I think uh, we'll start small. Maybe I can um, jump a, uh, a pothole here in Morgantown on a. <laughs> we'll start small. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, well, hey, this has been great. We're about out of time. Um, I want to thank you very much for uh, taking the time out of your, your evening and joining us here. It's been great. Um, I always ask this. If you had any advice for um, a new person coming into um, Strongman or, or any strength sport, really, <clears throat> what would be like a key, key thing to, to think about, remember, or do just right out of the gate? Nah. To, well, I know we kind of touched on it earlier. The, to, to, to try it and not worry about how you do. Go out there and try it, whether you think you're ready or not. Just just go and do it. And if, whether you do great or not, like, don't let it bother you. Just go in, assuming you're going to finish in last place, but whatever you do, just go try it and give it your all. That's the best advice I can give. Um, yeah, I, I say that a lot myself. You just got to get in, you just got to jump in the water. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's solid advice. Um, again, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your evening and joining us. Um, it's been a pleasure. Um, I appreciate you having me. I loved it. I uh, and hopefully I will see you guys in um, in in March, late March. I got a client doing that all female show, the maiden show. So I'm going to try to get out there with her. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah, I'll I'll be there for sure. And then of course Paul will be there as well. Um, this has been uh, John the Viking Mauser, Quint Zambon, Get Strong or Die. This episode is brought to you by Mauser Strength Dynamics one-on-one online coaching. So if you are looking for a satisfaction guarantee and you want to win competitions or maybe you're constantly suffering from injuries and you don't know where to turn, or maybe you're just looking for some one-on-one support, from a world-class strength coach, then Mauser Strength Dynamics is the coaching for you. So if you want more information, then find John at John the Viking Mauser on Facebook or at Mauser Strength on Instagram.